Should I go? Should I stop dancing? Should I invest? Should I wait? Should I marry? Should I stay single? Should I change jobs? Should I get the surgery or go with the treatment? How do I deal with my child in this circumstance? Big decisions. Some decisions are bigger than others. We face a lot of decisions. Decisions, decisions, decisions. I want to talk today about big decisions, making the big ones. You know, where it seems like we're on our own to make that choice. And maybe it feels like God's okay with it either way. Or maybe like the song says, if I stay, there will be trouble. If I go, it will be double. So maybe it's win-win or lose-lose. And God, where are you in this? You know, that's when we really need to hear from God. You know, maybe there's more than one right decision, but we need to hear from God to figure out what his will is, you know? So what do we do when we face big decisions? Well, Proverbs 3 gives us a little clue. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Sounds really good on paper, doesn't it? And that's about it. How do you bring that home? You know, do not trust in your own understanding. And man, is that true in my life. I have made some whopping mistakes. You know, do not trust in your own understanding. You know, and I know I'm not alone in that. You don't have to raise your hands, but we've all made some mistakes, haven't we? You know, and there's, when we just try to trust in our own understanding, the consequences can be enormous. You know, if you don't trust in God and just try to figure it all out on your own, that can be really bad. Take a look at this. So it can go bad when we trust in our own understanding. But the verse said, seek his will. Seek his will. Well, okay, let's seek his will. How do you do that? You know, this is more than just, you know, your average little prayer here. You know, I think we can all agree. But, you know, what I want to do is I want to look at Habakkuk. It's one of the last books in the Old Testament. And he did five things to help him tune into God. And I want to I cover those. But first, I want to give you a little reminder before we get into that. Um, when you want to hear from God, there's a prerequisite. If you have a question of God, you have to ask a question. And the question needs to be really specific. You know, the more specific the question the clearer the answer is going to be, the less ambiguous it's going to be. God can answer you. You know, over 20 times in the New Testament, God encourages us to ask, 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 seek, knock. I'm here. You know, James, he wrote in the book of James, appropriately titled, he said, you don't have because you don't ask. So let's ask. God is waiting and willing you know, he wants to advise us, you know, on our careers, our finances, our health, all those sort of things. In the first chapter of Habakkuk, 
You know, Habakkuk, interesting, it sounds like a hockey player's name, doesn't it? Now starting on the front line for the Montreal Canadiens, Guy Habakkuk. But anyway, I digress. Uh, Habakkuk asks six specific questions in the first chapter, okay? Um, in chapter 2, he waits and he listens for God to answer, and then he writes down what he thinks God's answer is. Let's take a look at Habakkuk 2, verses 1 and 2. I will climb my watchtower and wait to see what the Lord will tell me. The Lord gave me this answer. Write down what I revealed to you. Well, some of this is kind of cultural, and I want to explain this just a, just a little bit. You know, because out, out, out of this passage are five things we can do to really hear from God when we need a specific word from him. Um, and those things are pretty obvious. We need to withdraw, wait, watch, write, and worship. I want to cover those things, and I'm going to add one for my own called way. Okay, that's what we're going to get into. Let's talk to let's talk about withdrawal for a minute. And what I mean about withdrawal, it means get alone in a quiet place, you know, where you can hear. Habakkuk says, "I will climb my watchtower," and that's an ancient Hebrew expression. It means I'm going to get alone all by myself. I'm going to eliminate some distractions so I can hear. God, and we need to do that. Get alone. Get alone. You know, today's world, that can be really difficult, especially moms with preschoolers, kind of difficult to get alone in a nice, quiet place. Um, Susanna Wesley, any of you ever heard of her? She is the mom of Charles Wesley and John Wesley, and she had 18 kids, but she found time to pray. You know, uh, Charles Wesley wrote over 100 hymns that we still use today. John, on the other hand, is the founder of the Methodist Church. She found time to pray. And you wonder, well, how could she possibly find time to pray? And here's how she did it. Oh, God, can you hear me? You see, whenever she wanted to have her prayer time, she, put an she pulled her apron up over her head. <laughs> and her 18 kids, can you imagine 18 kids? 18 kids knew, don't talk to mom now, she's got an apron on her head. And that was her time to get alone. That's all she had. You know, all I can say is, all I can say is where there's a will, there's a way. I just lost my microphone. Where there's a will, there's a way. You know, if you want to get alone with God, you can find a way. Find a place where you can get alone, be quiet. Find a place where you can hear God. One of the reasons that we don't hear from God is that today we're really surrounded by noise, aren't we? What's the first thing you do when you come home from work? A lot of times for me, it's turn on the TV so I can have some noise, you know? How many of you do that? You know, we've got beepers and cell phones and fax machines and radios and Walkmans and iPods all making noise to drown out that still small voice. So we need to get alone in a quiet place with God. Luke chapter 5, 
says this, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Well, Jesus led a very active life, but often he withdrew. It was a habit. He went off to pray by himself, alone. And let me tell you, if the Lord of hosts had to go get alone, we probably need to do that a little bit too. So try to find a place where you can get alone. He got away from the distractions. We need to take the phone off the hook. You know, remove everything. Well, if that was all we needed to do was to really hear from God was get alone and remove distractions, that would be easy. But there's a little bit more to it than that. You know, after you get in that quiet spot, you need to calm your mind, your emotions. And that leads us to our second step, and that's wait. And this is, this is difficult. It means calm our emotions, calm our thoughts, quiet our inner self down. See, the second thing Habakkuk says is, I will station myself. I will climb to my watchtower and I will station myself. What does that mean? The Good News translation says, I will wait. And that's what it means. It means don't move, don't rush, be still. It means I'm going to stay here a while until something happens. That's not easy. See, God speaks to the person that takes time to listen. Many of us don't hear from God because we're too busy. You know, our prayer time is, okay, God, got 30 seconds, go. Okay? We try to make some decision out of that. Well, it takes more time than that. You know, it's a relationship with God. You know, hurry is actually the death of prayer. It doesn't work like that. You know, if you need to hear God speak, you need to get in a quiet spot. You need to dial down mentally and emotionally. You need to calm yourself down. You know, but let me quote that uh, sage philosopher, Tom Petty from the Heartbreakers. The waiting is the hardest part, isn't it? The waiting is, that's the hard part. That's the boring part, isn't it? It's hard. It's not easy to just calm yourself down, get still, get away. And that's, you know, a lot of times prayer is so unfulfilling to a lot of people. The moment we start to pray, our mind starts racing. I know mine does. You know, I try to quiet myself down. And the first thing that comes to mind is all the stuff I got to get done. Oh, man, I've got to do this. I've got to do that. I've got to gas up the car. I'm doing this tomorrow. I've got to reserve that flight before I lose my frequent flyer. You know, bam, bam, it gets so hard to focus. You know, start thinking of all the tasks I've got to get done before I forget. You know, and the devil makes those things crowd into your mind instantly. So how, what do you do? How do, we, how do we take care of that? If I try to ignore that, it doesn't go away. It just keeps coming back and coming. You're going to forget this. You're going to forget this. Keeps coming back. I, and I have a little bit of a practical solution that I'll share with you. I bring a pad of paper with me. And if I've got, if something comes to mind, I write it down. Okay, now I don't have to think about that. I've got it written down. So if nothing else, if it's not very fulfilling prayer life, at least you've got a really great to-do list for the rest of the week. <laughs> Sometimes that happens. You know, 
But most people never get past that mental chaos stage because it's, it's not easy to do. It takes some practice. You see, but if you do get past that mental chaos stage, the second distraction comes up. It's negative emotions. You know, your, your conscience starts coming up. Oh, the enemy comes in, you see. Oh, you're going to go talk to God? You? I saw what you were doing. You're going to go talk to God? You got some things you got to take care of first. You see, Satan is the accuser. That's one of his names, the accuser. You know, we start thinking of things that we should be doing, things we shouldn't be doing, sin. It starts coming up. You see, Satan might start screaming guilty, guilty, guilty in your conscience. You see, a lot of times that's why prayer is no fun, why it's so difficult. Who wants to be around that? You know, I tell you what, if somebody is critical of me all the time, I don't hang around them very much. So that's why prayer life is sometimes kind of difficult. Who would want to pray if you're reminded of your faults every time you go to pray? Well, let me share something with you. That little voice, that's not the voice of God. You know, that's the voice of the devil. It's the voice of your own conscience putting you down. The Bible says this, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So if accusations come, it's not the voice of God. Again, Satan is the accuser. God is the loving father who wants to talk to you. You know, so how do we, how do we do, how do we calm our emotions then? Okay, we've identified the source of this problem. How do we calm our emotions? Well, let me give you a biblical technique for tuning into God. And this is not from a meditation or a self-help book or anything like that. So I want to preface this. This is right out of the Bible. It's right out of Psalms. Um, uh, David, the psalmist, did two things to calm himself down mentally and emotionally so he could hear from God. And the first thing he did was relax the body. Psalm 46.10 says this. Be still and know that I am God. David wrote that. He was hearing from the Lord. So you need to begin to let go. Get comfortable. The Bible says that David sat before the Lord when he prayed. You know, get yourself into a comfortable position. Just practical advice. Let go of the muscle tension, you know. If you don't feel good physically, it affects your moods and your emotions. Your body influences your attitudes, you know, they're tied together. As your body relaxes, so does your mind. Be still and then wait in silence. Psalm 62, this is David again, says this. For God alone, my soul waits in silence. Get comfortable, wait in silence. See, waiting means it takes time. You can't calm down in a hurry. It takes some time. You can't force it. It's about as effective of trying to get to sleep in a hurry. It just doesn't happen that way. You know, it takes some time to wind down from your day and get to sleep. If you're in a hurry, you're not going to hear from God. You're not. We have to withdraw. We have to wait in silence, which means calm our thoughts and our emotions. Second Kings 3.15 
Elijah asked for soft music while he prayed. He actually called in the harpist to come pray, to come play the harp during his, during his quiet time. You know, sometimes I like to listen to slow Christian music in my prayer time. It helps me to dial down my emotions quicker. Particularly, I like instrumental music for that because then I don't, I'm not bothered by the words or trying to concentrate on them as well. So it shifts me in the lower gear quicker so I can dial into God. You know, once my mind is quiet, my mind becomes more sensitive to the voice of God. You see, my inner calm opens up the intercom to God. I know, I know you're, some people might be thinking, Dave, this sounds like transcendental meditation. You know, wrong religion, dude. Well, this is the exact opposite of TM. Okay, transcendental meditation says, empty your mind, you know. But Christian meditation says, fill your mind with Christ. We want to commune with God. We don't want to empty our mind. We want to fill our mind with Christ. See, the goal of prayer is to tune into God, to have this two-way conversation with him. That's where we need to, to go. So we withdraw. We wait. And then we watch. You see, let God give you a mental picture. The third thing Habakkuk says is, I will look to see what God says to me. Well, wait a minute. He says, I will look to see what God says. Don't you hear what God says, not look what God says? Why did he say this? You see, God often speaks through, you know, a mental picture. You know, the, the eyes of your heart, it's sometimes called. Um, how many have you have prayed and God has answered by putting a thought in your head? That's the way God speaks to us. There are hundreds of examples of this in Scripture. When you hear from God, Abraham, Job, David, the New Testament, Paul, Peter, John, it's all through Scripture. It's the primary way God contacts his people. It's the way he answers us. There's other ways too, but this is one of them. God does speak to, to us through the Bible, you know, in some other ways. I'll get into those in a second. But impressions in your mind. You know, Jesus said over and over, watch and pray. Watch and pray. There's a visual element to prayer. You know, David's, some of you might be thinking that, you know, Dave here, he's going off the deep end, telling us to have visions. Well, no, that's not what I'm saying. It's that if God speaks to you, he will speak to you. You know, what's I know what my, when someone says to me, you know what, God spoke to me today, my first reaction is, this guy's a bit of a nut. But God does speak to us today. You know, some people might think, oh, it's visualization technique, that's all new age. Well, the counterfeit type is, you know. You know, Satan can't create anything. He's not the creator. He's the counterfeiter. Satan can only copy and twist and pervert what God has made good. See, whatever God does, Satan can only counterfeit it. He's not a creator. God creates real miracles. Satan creates the counterfeit. You know, God creates fellowship, genuine fellowship, care about each other, you know. You know the counterfeit of that is 
beer commercials. You know, what are what do they what do they sell? Hey, it doesn't get any better than this. It's all people having fun. It's about relationships, but it's not. They're selling beer. You see, they take something God made and they associate it with something they're trying to sell. So you withdraw, you wait, and then you watch. Ephesians 1.18 says this, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know the hope to which he has called you. The eyes of your heart, that's what I'm talking about. When God speaks to you and puts an impression on your heart, when you pray and he answers and you have to be quiet and still to hear that still, small voice. Now, I'm talking about your spiritual eyes now. Have you ever read the Bible and, you know, maybe it's a chapter or a verse that you've read over and over, but all of a sudden it pops off the page at you and it relates to something specific? See, when you, quiet your, when you quiet yourself down and you ask the Lord, is there anything you want to show me? You know, is there anything you want to say to me? See, the, and the next step from Habakkuk is write. Write it down. See, in, Abac- in Habakkuk chapter 1, he wrote down his prayer to God, his, his questions. He had six specific questions. In chapter 2, verse 1, he waits and he quiets himself and he watches. And I want to share something with you. This is... uh, this is a prayer journal of mine, and uh, this one is from, well, several years ago, about a little over 12, a little, little over 12 years ago, and this is what I wrote Wednesday, December 13th. This is from, this is from 1995. Dear Lord. This week is our last chance to get pregnant without a surgical procedure. Please, Lord, help us. Give us a child, Lord. We will give him back to you. And I remember that time. We were visiting with doctors and wondering why we couldn't get pregnant. It was tough. Let me read you a journal entry from a little while after that. Dear Lord, how does one thank you for the precious gift of a child? I will keep my promises to you 
the child is yours. Lord, protect Mona's womb. Cause the child or children to be healthy and normal. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. That was a real precious time of journaling. God answered a prayer. And that's some of the things that, that's one of the benefits of journaling, you know. Looking back and doing a little research, most of the, most of the, you know, church fathers and great Christians throughout history, they all journaled. You know, they wrote down their prayers and waited and wrote down what they thought God said back to them. You know, frankly, that's how the Bible was written. David, some of the Psalms we showed here, that's, that's David journaling. He comes to, if you read the, any one of the Psalms, it's, it's David coming to God with a problem. And it starts out bad. Lord, how could this be happening? And then it ends with his prayer and God's answer. He watches, waits, and writes down the answers. And there's a lot of benefits. As you see, it keeps you focused when you're writing stuff down. It allows you to remember what God has said, you know. And it allows you to test what you think God is telling you your answer is. And that's pretty important. You see, not every idea that pops into your head is from God. And that needs to be tested. But don't test while you're praying. That'll kind of break the moment of the thing. And the fifth thing is worship. See, you thank God for speaking to you. Habakkuk, Habakkuk says in chapter 3, verse 2, he says this, O Lord, now I've heard your report and I worship you in awe. You see, Lord, you've answered my prayer. And I want to show my love to you. When you hear from God, you love the Lord more and you draw closer. You see, but I have to tell you, I don't receive something from God every single time. But if you'll practice some of this, you'll hear from him. You'll hear from him. And the last thing is weigh. I wanted to come back to that. Weigh the things. When you think you have an answer, weigh that answer. 1 John chapter 4, first 1, says this. Don't always believe everything you hear just because someone says it's a message from God. Test it first to see if it really is. This is really important. It helps if you journal. Well, let me give you three ways to test if you think you're hearing from God and you're making a decision. And the first one is this. Does it agree with the Bible? You see, God's never going to contradict his own word, ever. Luke 21 says this, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. See, God will never tell you to disobey anything in the word. God's consistent. The Bible very clearly says, pay your taxes. If someone thinks that God is telling them to not pay their taxes, they're probably not hearing from God because it contradicts the word of God. Second thing, does my church family confirm it? Hmm. Ephesians, there's a couple verses here in Ephesians and Proverbs. First one in Ephesians says, God's intent is that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known. 
You know, your church family, there's wisdom here. You know, the wisdom of the righteous can save you from Proverbs 11. You see, God never meant for you to make a decision on your own, not these big ones. That's why we're here together to help each other. Wise counsel is very important for mature Christians. And the third thing, when you're testing an impression from God, do I sense God's peace about it? Peace. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 says this, God is not the author of confusion. If you're feeling confused about this thing, well, maybe you're not hearing from God. Maybe you're trusting in your own understanding, and maybe that's why you're confused. If you're feeling pressured to make a quick decision, doing something hasty, question it. Question it. But see, that's not the way God works. Colossians 3.15 says this. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. See, if God is generally speaking to you about it, you're going to have peace about it. Worry and anxiety are never from God. Never. So look at that. Withdraw. Wait. Watch. Write. Worship. Weigh. All those things when you're making the big decisions and you've got to hear from God. It's important. I'm going to ask the band to come out. And uh, I want to say a couple of things. Maybe you think you've never heard from God. Well, what I can say is maybe that means your relationship with God isn't so good. Maybe you don't have a relationship with God. Or you can have that right now. You can have that relationship with, right, with God right now by praying a simple prayer. That simple prayer is this, ABC, accept, believe, and commit. Pray something like this, Lord, I know it's you I'm searching for. I know it's you I'm searching for, Lord. I believe that you died for my sins, and I commit my life to you. Perhaps you can pray that now. Maybe you already know God, but you simply haven't spent much time with him lately. Well, today, after our last song here, we're going to have communion. Maybe that can be a time where you renew your relationship with God. So if you want to stay for communion on this next song, It'll be after that. For those of you that need to leave after this song, it'll be your your cue to leave. You know, if you do want to make a decision today, or you have, or you just want prayer, you want God to increase in your life, you can do that today. You can make that one big decision. Commit or recommit. There's no reason you can't do that today. After, after the service today, during communion and that, I'm going I'm to be in the back back there. If you just want to talk, I'd like to, I'd like to pray with you. If you've given your heart to Christ, I'd like to, I'd like to pray a blessing with you, pray with you, recommitted. We're here for you.
Let's bow our heads in prayer. Lord, thank you for your for your awesome heart and your ability to listen to us when we communicate with you. Lord, we ask that you would answer our prayers, draw us closer to you, help us to withdraw and increase our prayer life. Lord, there's so many decisions that we have to make. Father, we leave them to you. We want, we want your wisdom and your will in our lives. Thank you, Lord. Amen.